Welcome to the 10th Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the Yachting Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is the Canadian who is scared when there's trees around him, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning, and we are in mourning for our dear friends, Frankie and Amy. Why? Why? What did we do to deserve this? We had Chet and Dave in season one. Then uh, Suki and Jinder in season two, then Simi and Opie in season three, and now Frankie and Amy. What's with these fourth place uh, finishes? And I'll get to this later on, but I have no idea who's winning. I'm just so confused as to who is going to win now. Because everyone left has got a terrible edit. Well, one team has a terrible edit times two compared to two of the other teams, I think. I think I stayed awake for about a half hour last night trying to figure out who's going to win between the two teams. So yeah, previously five teams returned back home to Canada when they flew to Sydney, Nova Scotia, where they barreled through Fort Louisburg. A Highland detour forced some teams to pull up their socks while others rolled up their sleeves. Julian and Emmett won the leg in their home province against Stefan Christen, who both used the double U-turn on Joel and Ashley and Risa and Yvette respectively which became enough to eliminate the Twins from the race. And teams must now board one of two buses to St. John, New Brunswick, because New Brunswick always hosts wonderful penultimate legs. And once there, they have to find their cars parked on a nearby street, where they will find their next clue, and they have a loony, not a spoonie, for this leg of the race. Oh, another attempt at Canadianism by throwing in a loony. I remember a few months ago when I tried to convince uh, my family that a spoonie was the nickname for a $3 note. Ah, uh, good times. Yeah, I did the same thing when I was younger, except uh, I tried to call it a Looney Toonie after the children's cartoons. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Just $3. That's all you get. That's all you get. Bitches. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I think this will be one of our shorter recaps because I swear 10 minutes out of the 40 minutes of airtime was devoted to teams saying final three, final three, got to make the final of the final three, final three, finale, finale, finish line, and so on and so forth. And I was promised this being one of the best legs of the race, and it really wasn't. It didn't live up to the piss of despair that I thought it might be, but it wasn't great. It was like uh, four tasks and then a crazy roadblock. What is it about New Brunswick that means that people only choose one side of the detour as well? Oh yeah, that happened in season two as well. And season one. Well, season one was was Newfoundland, I guess. But yeah, I, I just thought that, because the terrible New Brunswick leg in Amazing Race Canada 2 
was the geocaching versus the semaphore. And for some reason, people didn't choose the easier task of geocaching. And this time, it's uh, making molasses, which looks really boring and really hard, or searching through bottles. And, you know, I would probably have chosen the beer. Hey, at least you can play the accordion with the taffy, though. I mean, that, that, that just looked like a lot of fun. Or the, the cat on furniture. The, the sound effects were over the top on this episode. I lost well, count. yeah, how many, how, how, many, how many more eagle screeches did we have to hear? I know, I lost count of how many eagle screeches there were in the, uh, in the golf task, especially. Yeah. Do you think Kristen hit an actual eagle in the tree, though? Eagle! And then, like, animal rights groups are right there being like, Hey, Kristen, what the hell are you doing? What would have been funny is if Kristen hit the tree with the golf ball and then something just fell like a sack of shit down. So somebody, it should have been like Sony from a reality fan forum just falls from the tree. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> On the subject of reality fan forum, I'm pretty sure this is the least spoiled Final Four leg they've ever had. Because no one seemed to know who went home at Final Four. Really? Yeah. Did they? I looked this up after the episode. The only team that was spoiled to make Final Three this season were Jillian and Emma. Well, yeah, because they're recognisable. Yeah, no one knew who they were. So not even in the final leg were teams really spotted other than Emin and Jillian. No, and I'm, I think it was until um, teams came back from Vietnam until basically everyone was identified as well. Oh, you mean like all the teams in the cast? Yeah. Yeah, they they had real trouble this season for some reason. Well, it's because they went to a lot of smaller towns too within Canada, so I can see that. You're not going to have too many resources of people in Haidegui uh, being from Reality Fan Forum or Kingston or whatever other towns they visited, especially the maritime towns, I can see why it was just Emin and Jillian being identified in Montreal and that's it. There was a lot of confusion over whether there was 10 teams or 11 as well. I think I remember, the, I remember reading that post. That was like the last post I read because I knew everything after, after that was going to be a spoiler. But, uh, well, I mean, I met Peach George in person like, I don't know, what was that, like two weeks later? I think it was sometime after, I think it was right around after the Heidegway episode aired just when the season 28 finale was and I met Peach Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say it was the middle of May, Logan, because that was when you were in LA. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember, yeah, that, yeah, right at the starting line. Like, there's only 10 backpacks. Does that mean 10 teams? Or was there like a weird starting line task where somebody got eliminated? And I'm thinking, Amazing Race Canada wouldn't do that to us. They're better than that. They did bring teams to basically the nearest they've ever been to uh, America and still didn't let them cross the border, though. Because I have it on very good authority that St. Andrews by the Sea is literally next to Maine. Maine! Lobster shacks. Zoe Zanadikis, or however you pronounce your last name. Zachanidis, I think it was. Zachanidis? We'll go with that. Work hard, play hard. This is the closest they've been to the U.S. since, well, Niagara Falls. And yeah. they still didn't let them cross the border. And they never will, because we know the viewer outrage if a Canadian show enters American territory. And proving that Nova Scotia is a really friendly place, Gillian convinces someone to drive home and give her trainers. Yes. Is that because she was on Big Brother, or because somebody was doing that out of joy and kindness? I think it was probably because they recognised her and had probably heard that Amazing Race Canada featured that featured her and wanted to be on television. There's also a big motivator. Yeah, that is my suspicion there. 
Or she should have pulled like a big brother esque move and be like, Oh yeah, for sure I'll get a shoe and then drives home and then she like comes back and says, Oh right, 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 the shoe. I just gotta go back to my car. You just wait here, you know. Uh, you know, don't worry about uh the bus at all. And then the person just tries to stall as much as possible and then Emin and Jillian end up missing their end up missing their bus, the first bus to uh Saint John. Considering that this would have been about ten o'clock at night, it's not out of the question that they might have been a little bit drunk as well. Yeah, well, do you see how small? Because Jillian even asked, like, I need somebody who has size nine shoe. And then Jillian puts on the shoe and it's like two sizes too small, apparently. God damn it. (laughs) And we also find out a wonderful piece of information from Frankie that she wants to be in the black. No longer part of the red. We could see, for all stars, we could see a change of hairstyle with Frankie. She could go ultra goth. Who do you think from this cast will come back for all stars? Or Unfinished Business, or whatever the hell they're going to call it. Well, now that we're four seasons through, this is starting to feel like the semi-appropriate time to speculate on this. Especially when you consider the American version now averages an all-star season once every six seasons. Um, Or if you're Vietnam, you have one by the fifth season for some reason. I'd imagine from this season, Frankie and Amy would have to be a lock, you would think. Especially because there's not very many strong parent-child teams that we've really seen especially mother-daughter teams like that's such a rare like even the american version all their all-star seasons they haven't even brought back a mother-daughter team i know this was sort of spoiled for you but frankie and amy have the record of the best performing mother-daughter team in amazing race history they are the only mother-daughter team ever to get four yeah and i would guess they probably have somewhere around the best average too because nancy and emily didn't do too well in season one for some of the legs Well, the former record holders were Nancy and Emily from season one and Debbie and Dana from Hammer Ops 3. They are the only two mother-daughter teams to get to final five. And uh, Nancy and Emily were, bloody hell, 5.67, which is the near record for uh, fifth place. And Debbie and Dana were 5.09, so yeah. So Frankie and Amy have the record by pretty much a full point. Yeah, Frankie and Amy probably are the best performing mother-daughter team Stats-wise as well. That's no small feat. No. They have a lot to be proud of. Unless you're Jillian, then if you're Jillian, then that, that is a small feat. Pun. I wouldn't be surprised to see Frankie and Amy come back, but I, I have to think about it logically. Natalie and Megan are probably going to be coming back, no matter what. Jet and David probably come back. I reckon Suki and Jinder would probably get an invite. I'd like to think that most of the good bits of last season's cast would come back, but, you know... Major Race Canada obviously lives to defy my expectations, so we'd probably see Gino and Jesse back, and I'd have another season of bitching about them. Fuel for the podcast, Michael. Fuel for the podcast. Can't it just be lighter fluid? They already did that whole uh, emergency rescue, uh, fire rescue task from uh, season two. <laughs> yeah, Shala and Nabila should come back. <laughs> I want to see Shala and Nabila come back just to see if they don't finish last. Literally on any season possible, they will finish last. Unless, like, three teams take a penalty or Sean breaks his his shoulder again. Shoulder and Nabila would finish last on any given leg. (laughs) I'm just picturing, like, you know, Suki and Jinder, Natalie and Megan, Frankie and Amy, maybe Steph and Kristen, and then, like, Nick and Matt and... All these, like, nine of the strongest teams that Shala and Nabila at the starting line. <laughs> hey, girls, nice to see you again. 
<laughs> That's exactly how Monty would sound about it, too. I don't know why, but I I just imagine Monty being the Energizer Bunny or something. He's just constantly on something. He's wired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch on to Jillian's pun when she got the shoe? When she was t- when she was talking about the person who helped her? I didn't know. She said that the person who got the shoe for her has a wonderful soul. Oh, that's whiffy. That's the sort of pun that Lowell would come up with. <laughs> that's exactly what Jillian said, though. And I wrote that down thinking, are you serious, Jillian? Come on. And talking of uh, Lowell, we get to see him again next week on the joke that keeps on giving, the After the Race show with the Harpies from the Social! Yay! <laughs> Oh, right, we gotta... I'm in Vancouver by Friday morning, so, like, I'm gonna be at improv... Yeah, so, like, today and early tomorrow are gonna be the only times that I can throw in all of my stupid, uh, stupid questions, and hopefully one of them, after four seasons, hopefully one of them gets asked on the reunion show. Oh, I've already started asking stupid questions. I did it as soon as they announced that the Harpies from the Social would be making their wondrous return, and hosting the show because James Duthie can't be asked anymore. Well, did we get a definitive reason yet as to why Duthie isn't hosting it? Like, he did the mid-season and the finale reunion show for the last two seasons. Why suddenly the disinterest on his part? I don't know, because it's not like he can really use ice hockey as an excuse, given that it hasn't started yet that much. Maybe he was just sick of certain people in the fan community, who <laughs> bitching about him all the time. Wow, he really needs to get over that. It's a disappointment because if you ever get cast on Targ, I want to see you have to meet James Duthie and it'd be really awkward. Imagine if James Duthie's just in the audience for the reunion show and then, you know, the the harpies from the social start doing their harpy things and then Duthie's like, time out, time out, time out, and then just like pulls him off stage and, stage and he's like, hey, you guys tried, you guys tried, and then and then he just takes the chair. And he, like, sprawls out over all four chairs just to show how how uh, awesome he is in his own mind. They don't give them chairs, they just give them a sofa so Duthie can lie across it. Yeah, he should lie across it like uh, Matt and Ashley at the Peru pit stop. And then have, like, a frowning post from the social just stand, standing behind the sofa. <laughs> We've been replaced. They can give them all potatoes to spit on. <laughs> Prince Edward Island potatoes. Come on. And the main question that I've asked so far is, to all teams, would you rather fight a dozen Pierre and the Michelle-sized John Montgomery's or one John Montgomery-sized Pierre and the Michelle's? Oh, I have to come up with a Janet Jackson question for reading a bit. Um, do we use the hashtag after the race? Uh, I'm not sure because this is on Facebook, but I'm assuming so. Okay, I'm going to look up the article just to make sure that I get the right hashtag down. I just want desperately for one of our stupid questions to uh, to go on. But I, I don't think it will, that's the thing. I think we've got to ask the most bullshit, boring questions if we want to get on. We've had five reunion shows where they've asked questions. One of these times, they will cave in. Because, like, 90% of the questions come from us. Like the one reunion show, they didn't even ask any questions because we trolled them that much. Did you see the the thing with Randy Bailey from Survivor Gabon getting on Big Brother 18? No. Um, because he live-tweets Big Brother because he's a massive fan of Big Brother. Um, he made it his mission on one of the eviction shows to get one of his questions on there. 
And it was something so banal. It was so boring, that question, but he was so proud of himself. <laughs> uh, after the race is the hashtag, by the way. Okay. Oh my god, one of the questions asked so far, what was the best car to drive? <laughs> Did that come from a Chevrolet executive? Came from Vancouver Vinny, who lives in Prince Rupert. Oh, looky him. God, do all the douchey people come from Prince Rupert now? What was your favourite challenge of the race? Lighting the cannon looks pretty fun. What was Julian's favourite shoe to wear? <laughs> I think we should make out a mission to get questions banned from every reunion show. Yes, that's a campaign. Anyone listening to this podcast, just clog the after the race hashtag with the dumbest questions you can think of. Just so production, you know, just gives up on trying to search through the crap for that one tiny, annoying, boring piece of gem. So, this episode, I guess we have to talk uh, about it. We have to. <laughs> well, we have to, get, we can breeze through everything up to the golf task. Yeah. Uh, so, Julian and Emmett were the first to leave at 9.05, with Stefan Christen at 9.08, Frankie and Amy at 9.45, and Joel and Ashley at 11.40. And nothing changed. Julian and Emmett and Stefan Christen were on the first bus, and then Frankie and Amy and Joel and Ashley were on the last one. And teams have to find City Market, where they will be given a tablet and five gift baskets. Each gift basket has a clue on its tag, which will lead them to the hotel in St. John, where they have to deliver the basket to. Uh, once they've delivered all five correctly, they have to return to the market to get their next clue. Emmett and Jillian, only entertaining part of this task. Emmett and Jillian, the only entertaining part of the leg. <laughs> With the Emmett dropping the baskets and then uh, Jill, Jillian freaking out at him. And then uh, Emmett's like, calm down. And Jillian's like, no, not, not, not calming down. Jillian just freaking out in uh, hotel lobbies was one of my favorite things of the like. In fact, just Jillian freaking out generally. You're tilting the basket. It's all going to fall out, Emmett. Emmett! <laughs> you never listen to me. I'm sick of no teamwork. Hotels.com is going to be so angry with us. Uh, so, Steph and Kristen are the first to leave, and then Frankie and Amy get lost. Uh, Jillian and Emmett decide they don't want to jog, because Jillian's sneakers are two sizes too small! <laughs> and then Joel and Ashley leave in second, with Jillian and Emmett in third. And there's a wonderful editing joke when Frankie and Amy say, I hope we're not in last place. Slam! Currently in last place. And then they leave in last. Yeah, Frankie and Amy and, uh, Emmett and Jillian do not handle penultimate leg pressure too well. Uh, and it's a detour, which for some reason is 1867 versus 1879. And in 1867, teams must find Moosehead Breweries and pull 120 bottles with a unique label that they've chosen and put them into five boxes before stacking your pallet to receive their next clue. And 1879 requires teams to find Canada's oldest molasses factory, because that is a landmark for some reason. It's right up there with lentils. And some sort of decommissioned cannery, as we got as a pit stop. And then they have to follow a recipe and pull the taffy correctly to make 650 grams of molasses taffy to get the next clue. And the best bit about this entire detour was, of course, Monty's beard net. Long live the moose. Monty's beard net just was wonderful. <laughs> hey, gotta, you know, can't contaminate that molasses. It's got to be FDA approved. In an episode so barren of um, banner ideas, Monty's beard net might just make it. You know what the Crosby family business in Taffy, they've really taken a significant change in direction now that one of them is a superstar in ice hockey. 
And that's the only ice hockey reference I have ever made on this podcast. In 146 episodes, is it now? Yes. You did it! Yay, I'm proud of you. <laughs> 145 it is, but um, we still have the Missing Australian Survivor podcast to do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you know it's an exciting detour um, task when the options are named after years in the 19th century and not, ha- and not have one of the years be 1812. They didn't even explain the significance of the years. No, they. we just assumed that's when those two respective independent family businesses started. And who knew that a, that a guy who's bottling beer in New Brunswick would be named Patrick? That, I, I, was not, I was not expecting that. If, if there is any stereotypical Irish name who bottles beer, Patrick would definitely not be my first guess. Patrick O'Moosehead. That was his name. Patrick O'Moose Flanagan. And then we get loads of out-of-context quotes from Stephen Christen, such as, I hope it's not too loose. Yeah, it feels runny. Didn't they say, like, it feels hot too or something like that? I'm thinking it was kind of close to it being taken really far out of context, like a Jillian quote, but it, this was halfway there. Or, or my favorite part was that uh, Stephen Christen said that neither of them are bakers, and then the camera, for whatever reason, cut to an image of Mickey and Pete. Uh, yeah, Gillian is a baker and Stefan Christen aren't. And then Stefan Christen leave 1879 in first. And then Frankie and Amy basically pepper spray themselves because they put too much vinegar in their taffy. Yeah, it was four cups of vinegar they put in as opposed to four tablespoons. I think it was four and a half tablespoons as well. Oh yeah, four and a half tablespoons. But yeah, four cups they threw in there. That's all. That's very acidic. That might be the most acidic treat to ever eat. Hopefully nobody had to eat them a lot, the taffy. Frankie said it took them about an extra 20 minutes to um, to burn all the vinegar off. <laughs> In addition to basically being pepper sprayed. That Laffy Taffy. That Laffy Taffy. That Laffy Taffy. Also, just going back to what we were saying earlier, there are really not many tweets with After the Race. It's like, well, there's three questions so far on Twitter. How many on Facebook? Facebook was about 60, and only one of those is mine so far. That will change after this podcast, but... So yeah, Frankie Navy leaving last, and um, just because apparently we weren't punished enough with this leg, we get another double battle, yay! And it's golf. If I had to rank sports in my level of interest in them, golf would be somewhere near the bottom, 100%. I have zero interest in golf, because it bores the living shit out of me. So yeah, in this double battle, teams have to drive to St. Andrews by the sea and find the Algonquin Golf Course, Eagle Sound, and compete against each other on a par 3 hole. The team who sinks their ball in the fewest attempts gets the next clue, while the losing team have to wait for the next team to arrive. The last team to lose the final battle have to wait out a predetermined time penalty before receiving their next clue. I really wish this double battle instead took place at uh, St. Chicken by the sea. Cluck, 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 cluck. Splash. I just don't understand how um, or why they just went overboard on um, on everything with the eagle sound effects. Eagle screech here, an eagle screech there. There's an eagle screech everywhere. There must have been about fifteen of them. Maybe there was like just a lot of birds hanging around the golf course that day on the twelfth hole. 
It's the Joel and Ashley sound effects, so, you know, maybe they're hinting at a Joel and Ashley win. It's like a hidden clue for the bowl. <laughs> yeah, it basically is. And the hidden clue every time is just an eagle screech. The first letter of everything that Monty says is the winners are, and then it's just a picture of Joel and Ashley. Imagine if that happened once. <laughs> Did you catch our subtle hint? If I was in charge of an Amazing Race season, that would be the sort of shit that I would pull. I would do a mole-style clue in every episode. I'd make the first word of every episode be uh, telling us who the mole is, slash the winners. I'll just make, just make the first letter of every episode spell out, follow the eagle. So the first match was Stefan Kristen and Joel and Ashley. Picard! And, um, yeah, Kristen hits it into a tree, so Joel and Ashley win. Then Kristen hits it into a tree again, but because Edwin and Jillian do not play any golf whatsoever, they could have hit it into the tree ten times and still beat Edwin and Jillian to the hole. As I saw Anthony say earlier... Have uh, double battles around the world always been sports? To which I said, no, have they hell? The first one ever was a musical chairs. Oh, and Hammerox? Yeah, in a town square in Bo- Bosnia and Herzegovina, I think. Bosnia and Herzegovina hosted the first double battle in Amazing Race history. That is an obscure piece of trivia for people to know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that, um, that Bosnia and Herzegovina's musical chairs was the first one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to challenge you on that. Did you notice that Joel almost quoted Happy Gilmore when him and Ashley competed next against uh, Stefan Kristen, where uh, they were, it was actually shot in there close to the hole, and Joel's like, just tap it in. And I was waiting for the whole monologue of just give it a little tappy, a tap, tap, tap a room. And then Ashley would inevitably miss the shot, and then she would get all pissed and like lie on the ground towards the ball and be like, just go into your home. That's your home, ball. And then, you know, throw the club or just go on a cursing tirade, maybe call the ball a park face like 20 times. Um, and Jillian, like most normal people, hates golf. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Frankie and Amy lose the final match against Jillian Irma, and for the second time of the season, they have, they have to serve out a penalty. Yeah, they lost both double battles. I should note that with Frankie and Amy, that, that score by the end was like a game of football. It was 28-7. to 7. It was like watching the NFL. It's like, and in the game of the St. Louis Rams versus the Cleveland Browns, 28-7 to 7 is our score. I was wrong, by the way. The first double battle was in Hungary for Hammerots 2 and was uh, chocolate wrestling. That's a sport, Michael. Anthony was right all along. <laughs> It was was where two teams had to wrestle in a tub of chocolate syrup while trying to ri- fill the rival team's uh, chocolate jar. When the rival team's jar was full, the winning team received the clue, and the losing team waited for the next team to challenge them. You know what, what would have been hilarious? Because with Frankie and Amy taking 28 shots, is if they knew they were going to lose to Emin and Jillian, and they would just take another like 30 shots just to delay the game by another hour or so to put Emin and Jillian that further back and make Jillian that more, much more anxious. Because really at that point, you only have to beat one team. And then once you're, and then uh, Steph and Chris and Jill and Ashley would definitely be done the roadblock by then. And then all you have to do is defeat a panicking Jillian at the roadblock who who's like, oh, we're like five hours behind everyone else, and then next thing you know, you're in the final three. That'd be my strategy anyway, because you know that in the final leg, everyone has to be equalized anyway. Like, it's been 
we're going all the way back to like season seven or something crazy like that to the last time that the third place team wasn't on a level playing field with the other two teams entering the final destination city. So it could have been like sixty to sixty to five. It's like, well, you still get the same result with Emin and Jillian. It's just now that Jillian's pretty much ready to quit by that point. Can you imagine the social media cat lady hate you would get for, you know, gamifying the double battle? Yeah, they get it in reverse. They they get they sink the ball into the eleventh hole before they get it into the twelfth hole. Can you promise me that when you get on talk, you will not call it a face-off? You will insist upon calling it a double battle, just to annoy production? Yeah, I can do that. You just don't open the clue and go, oh, it's a double battle. Logan, can you repeat that, please? Oh, it's a double battle. <laughs> no, Logan, it's a face-off. Not a oh, it's battle. an eagle. No, oh, no. it's a double battle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Shal and Nabila. <laughs> oh, I liked Emmett's joke, though, with Frankie and Amy were struggling, and then he's just... He's just casually sitting in the golf cart. He's like, man, I'm worried we're going to get hit in the face with the ball at this rate by the way that they're, they're taking each shot. Of course, that's something Steph and Chris would never have to worry about. Once teams receive their double battle clue, <laughs> they have to find the Kingsbury Garden and search the parking lot for their next clue, which is um, a roadblock. Which is, who wants to make sense of this clue? And in this roadblock, one team member must put on a blindfold and, with the assistance of their partner, identify 15 common plants in a garden. Then, they must identify the same plants in another garden to receive their next clue. Please note, Jillian and Amy must complete this roadblock. And Frankie must help Amy with this roadblock. And Emmett, too. Emmett has to help Jillian, and that does not go well. Emmett, I can't see anything! I would love to see Jillian on Survivor doing the blindfolded challenge. Oh, I'd love to see Jillian on Survivor generally. We need a Survivor Canada just so uh, Jillian can complete the trifecta. Did you appreciate Ashley as the tour guide for the garden? Her tone of voice? <laughs> lemon scented geranium. It smells like lemon. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> or when they go to the one plant, and Ashley's like, notice how it feels like elbow skin. Elbow skin, that's your analogy, Ashley. <laughs> She's bringing everything for this final four leg. Yeah. At least she didn't say it felt like foreskin or something like that. That would have been awkward as hell. Yeah, Steph and Kristen don't have that uh, frame of reference before you say it. <laughs> no, they don't. Do you notice, though, that when they did their first series of guesses, though, that, that uh, Steph was quick to identify the hens and chicks plant as well as the ladies' mantle plant. Well, Jillian called it Lady Shelf. Lady Shelf, yeah. <laughs> Is this Lady Shelf? No, Jillian. No. <laughs> and we finally get a bit of Steph and Kristen bickering, because that's something we've solely been missing. My favourite part of Steph and Kristen bickering is that Kristen like tries to straighten out uh, Steph on, on her shoulders and tries to look into her eyes, not realizing that Steph was completely blindfolded and therefore eye contact is impossible to make. Can you imagine if Julian Lowell had survived to this leg? How awesome would it have been? Because Lowell was very down on roadblocks when uh, when they went out. So Lowell would have probably had to do this roadblock. Can you imagine? He would have been all over it. I just wish it would have been Julie who did this roadblock. Like, how, like if you want to see anger from the casual audience... Oh man, it would have 
That would have been one for the ages. You know what What would have been even better? If Margie and Luke had to do this task. If they'd read the clue and saw that it was something about senses and thought, Ooh, I know, Luke will do this roadblock. Yeah, strong sense of smell. He would have had to use his very strong sense of smell and touch. Because he would have been screwed. Because he wouldn't have been able to see any of the name plaques either. No. And Margie obviously wouldn't have been able to sign the names to him. So I don't know what they would have done. That's an interesting point. Like, they couldn't cast a team then that was deaf for that roadblock then, because they knew 100% chance that that team could not complete the task. Yeah. They would have had to take a penalty at the final four. Yeah. And then, like, there would have been the camp that would have said, oh, that's just a race. But on the other hand, there would have been the camp that said, you do know there's a 0% chance that they could have done that task, right? It is kind of an insensitive task if you have a deaf team on the race. Exactly. Uh, Jillian is scared that there's trees around her, and Emmett teaches Jillian the Latin name rather than the English name. Why didn't they ask for the Latin names? Because that's what I would have done. It's Final Four, you've got to make the robot difficult. Maybe they, they did a test run with their dream team, and then they realised it was just downright impossible. With Joel, already took ten attempts, and that was knowing the English name from the very beginning. Although I think initially he did give them the Cree name, and then the judge was just all confused. So, uh, Steph and Kristen are the first to leave after four attempts, and then Amy and Gillian both get rejected because of the Latin, and we find out that, in a shocking turn of events, Latin is not English. Oh, really? Oh, man. And then, because this is tradition for a final four leg now, there is a massive controversy. Yes, two seasons in a row, where everything goes smoothly until that penultimate leg. When Ashley lies to Frankie and Amy. And Frankie and Amy have taken it perfectly calmly. What? So I guess this segues into... Is this not like the... This is the first Twitter feud I can recall for Amazing Race Canada between the actual teams. Yeah. Even like season one with Brett and Holly and Helen Joanne, that didn't really... None of that really took place on Twitter either. They somewhat got over that. I'm assuming that Frankie and Amy didn't know until this episode aired that uh, Ashley had lied to them. They might have thought that she'd misread the clue or something. Yeah, that she misread the clue and like wasn't intentionally doing it. So I think this is because we talked about this before the podcast. But there's a there's just a couple of like behind the scenes stuff that I guess is interesting with this. Uh, I guess with uh, Ashley, one is that uh, on like various message boards online, there's been like rank the rank the teams thread from favorite to least favorite. And then family members of some of the teams, I won't say who exactly, but obviously they would have some inside knowledge with the show, put uh, Joel and Ashley as their least favorite. And that sort of confuses us because there really hasn't been any footage to indicate that you would hate Ashley. So there was that layer of it, like, okay, maybe there's something behind the scenes that Ashley did that didn't really come to light. And then here... Of course, we have the Twitter feud between Frankie and Amy and Ashley. I wonder if they... Because this was a really strong reaction. Like, some of the tweets, like, Frankie called Ashley the C-word. Amy was cursing at, at Ashley on Twitter. And then Ashley infamously responded back saying, Oh, I guess fire fire melted the, melted the ice in this case. Hashtag read your clue. So clearly Ashley wasn't really having any of the insults directed towards her. So I wonder if 
they talked about this incident at the finish line and actually I wonder if she said like, oh, I didn't mean to lie to you guys or something like that because the contestants, especially on, on the more recent seasons of reality shows, tend to be extremely tight-knit, like they fight in the moment on the show, but then when they see all the casual fans attacking them, then they usually come together. Of course, the cast of Survivor Worlds Apart is the epitome of that, where they sort of come together and deflect deflect all the hate from the casual audience and the past couple of uh, american races as well i mean 28 is a very close-knit cast 27 27 except for kelly and uh, siobhan the top 10 teams are massive fans of each other not so much kelly and siobhan mm-hmm. but yeah i think there's something that we haven't been told here that might have happened off camera because it's just looking at the reaction i don't think frankie Naomi knew that that actually deliberately lied to them until last night. Yeah, so I'm guessing that there, because because Amy was was even in her tweet call it referring to Ashley as fake. So I have, I mean, this is what I take away from it is that Frankie and Amy must have had this conversation with Ashley at the finish line, and then Ashley denied it, and then they see it on TV and realize how how deliberate it was. Or maybe maybe not. Maybe it really was. Maybe they didn't have this conversation, and they're just. And they just, it didn't come up as a subject, and they did see this footage for the first time. And as you know, with people like Russell Swan from Survivor Philippines, that rewatching the episode really brings you back into the moment of devastation when you were out there filming the race in the first place. So seeing that you were sabotaged by another team, you don't really know. Like with, well, like with, like last season, there wasn't the big Twitter feud because. All of that was resolved in the moment. Like, Simi and Opie knew what Gino and Jesse and Nick and Matt had done in that, in that whole mix. And also, no one really cares about Gino and Jesse. Yeah, that, that too. But in this case, this may be, in the words of Phoebe Buffet from France, this is brand new information for Frankie and Amy. And to see that because somebody else directly lied to you and was really pushing for you to get out of the race, that that's the reason why you're eliminated. And also, I don't get why Ashley did it to Frankie and Amy. As opposed to Emin and Jillian? Exactly. That was, yeah, that was another big argument on too. I wonder if that's a huge part of it where it's like that why Frankie and Amy are mad is because here was a team that had won four legs and clearly are, have been way stronger than both Frankie and Amy and Joel and Ashley since day one. They're royally screwing up and this is their chance to knock him out before the final leg. And Ashley doesn't take that opportunity to take him out. So yeah, but overall, with this incident, it's yeah, it's been really fascinating to see the first legitimate fight that went on past the filming date and it now taking place while this is all airing on TV. I'd be interested to see what the few your casual fan favorite poll would have done this year. Who would have won it, do you reckon? <sighs> it could have been Joel and Ashley. There's a lot of people who are inspired by them. I mean, they do have their fair share of, of uh, people that have been against Ashley even before the incident last night? Well, it'd probably be Julian Lowell. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, Julian Lowell went by a mile. Especially with them, uh, all their entire race being the number one moment of the first seven episodes, apparently. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, I think, they, I think they're shoo-in. So, um, Joel leaves in second after ten attempts, and then Julian leaves in third after five, and apparently... I've had it on good authority from Frankie that uh, Amy did five attempts as well, but they left in last. 
and teams must now use their car's hand-free system to call Monty to find out the pit stop location, which is Indian Point. And for the first time all season, the last team to check in will be eliminated. Who knew that uh, Joel and Ashley would be in the top three to find a place called Indian Point? It's First Nations Point now, Logan. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the term we should be using, but clearly the people of New Brunswick are not politically correct or respectful of First Nations culture, and I, for one, would like to launch an official protest against that. I'm very disappointed that when Monty was introducing New Brunswick, he didn't describe it as, the, uh, as Canada's only bilingual province as well. He did last time. His standards are slipping. Yeah, I guess Stefan and Antoine weren't around to pressure him into uh, stating that fact. No, but with the um, with the Coast Guard task last week, they would have been all wet. <laughs> yes, that's the one takeaway from Stefan after all this time. So the first team to check in, shocking nobody, is of course Stefan Kristen, and they win a trip to Sydney, Australia. Australia. <laughs> after two weeks of um, of jokes about Sydney, Nova Scotia. We actually get an appearance by Sydney, Australia. Yes, Canada. Countries do exist outside of Canada. I like the person who was complaining about the prizes being really lame. It's like, they're getting prizes to places outside of Canada. Like, where, where would you want them to go? It's like, dude, you don't want to give them a five-night stay in Sydney, Nova Scotia. I'm sorry. <laughs> with breakfast in bed. And Joel and Ashley were second, with Gillian and Emmett in third. And Frankie and Amy, the people's princesses, are eliminated in fourth place. Did you appreciate the Mentos garden at the roadblock? <laughs> yes. We haven't seen a proper Mentos task this season either. I mentioned this to Mark Carroll uh, earlier in the week. We've not seen any Mentos task all season. I think the task appears to be for fans to to uh, enter the video game contest online. That is one of the more harrowing challenges by the look of things. <laughs> yeah, forget the gross food eating challenge in Vietnam. Just imagine teams trying to figure out the website with the Mentos. So, next time, teams fly to their final destination city of Montreal, Quebec, where bungees, climbing, emotional and mental challenges all feature, as one team races to a random Quebecois car park to find the finish line and win lots of wonderful prizes. Do you notice Jillian when when they finish third? Just her over-the-top reaction and then her saying, Oh my god, thank god. Oh my god. <laughs> so, Kurt says, Could that lie by Ashley have been one of the most ruthless moves in Tar Canada history? I mean, when she wants to go in for the kill, she goes in swimming. I wonder if Ashley lied to Frankie and Amy because Frankie directly asked Ashley for help as opposed to Emmett. If Emmett had directly asked for help, I assume she would have done the same thing. But because Frankie was right there, I wonder if it's because, too, that I can sort of see it from Ashley's perspective because this leg was essentially a three versus one battle because Stefan Kristen and Emma and Jillian both want to take Frankie and Amy to the final three at all costs, as we've seen with both U-turns. And they semi-aligned last week to be like, okay, let's put aside our differences. We'll face each other, but we need one weaker team with us and have been trying to get Joel and Ashley out for pretty much the second half of the season now. So then at the final four, you have Jill and Ashley completely on their own at the bottom. So I wonder if this is this wasn't like Ashley going out of her way to attack Frankie and Amy, but rather as, I think she even said this in, one, in the confessional too last night, 
that this was sort of like her vengeance for being like considering herself to be the underdog and taking like payback at the three teams who uh, even just one episode earlier were all working together to get either them out or Reed and Yvette out. I wonder if it was a calculated move by Ashley to say, you guys want to take Frankie and Amy? You can't take Frankie and Amy. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a more spiteful move rather than taking out Jillian and Emmett and Stefan Kristen, saying, you know what, guys? It's not going to happen how you want it to. Yeah, like the whole spite of... Because especially with... Because the added layer to that as well is that Emmett and Jillian and Stefan Kristen have won a combined total of, I think, eight out of the ten legs they've won. Yeah, the only other leg was Joel and Ashley won one leg in Vietnam and Kelly and Kate won one leg in Vietnam. So every Canadian leg has been won by by those two teams. So when you you know you at, at once you're at the penultimate round and they're gonna be on the verge of taking those two top two spots, and you might find yourself being eliminated because of how dominant they've been in controlling the game and giving Frankie and Amy the express pass right in front of Ashley's face too, and then getting you turned by Stephen Kristen after making that deal. To not you turn Joel and Ashley, <laughs> and to have all these extra layers to it, where where Ashley after ten rounds could have very well been like, just screw you, I'm going to take completely disrupt your plans and take you out of this race. Yeah, the express pass handover might have contributed as well. Thinking about it, yeah. So you have yeah the express pass, you have the double U turns, you have the very clear message that the other teams, the three teams, are sending to everyone else who was left in the second half of the game. Yeah, I think that that could be a huge, it may not have been, I mean, it's personal in the way, but personal in the fact that Joe and Ashley feel like they're the ones who are slighted, as opposed to how Frankie and Amy feel after watching the episode on TV. Yeah. So, is there anything else to say about this leg before we return for the final next week? I hope the final leg is better than the final leg we saw last year. Last year, the final leg, I believe we ranked as the worst episode in any Amazing Race version in all of 2015. So, it can only they can all we can only improve. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, Joel and Ashley would be a huge underdog story, but I think everything is pointing to an all-female team winning. So maybe St- Stephen Kristen finish what Natalie and Megan could not do two years earlier. Yeah, I, I feel like Steph and Kristen are probably going to get the Natbeg second place honorary position, which would then mean Joel and Ashley win. But I can't reconcile it with that edit of Joel and Ashley winning. Unless they're going for the Gino and Jesse style, um, give them a really bad edit in the penultimate leg and then make them the winners. But I can't see them doing that two seasons on the trot. And I, I think Frankie and Amy were probably the fan favourite of the final four. So... Yeah, it's, it didn't go well for Joel and Ashley in terms of the public response this week. Yeah, I think Steph and Kristen, are, I think they're going to win the season because like, they haven't received as much hate as Jillian at any one point, and the edit's been showing them more as just being competitive. Like We haven't seen any smirking or mean-spiritedness from them. It's just that the only complaints they've got from fans online is that they're just too competitive. That's been it. There's been... No complaints of, oh, Steph and Kristen were rude to to that team or another team. If we 
did have an amazing race at Canada All-Stars. I don't think you could have Stefan Christen and Natalie and Megan both back. And I, I think they'd probably go for Natalie and Megan over Stefan Christen. Are Stefan Christen in line to beat Natalie and Megan's average? Because I think Stefan Christen were like 2.22 or something like that going into last night's episode. So I know they're going to be awfully close. Stefan Christen are on 2.1 at the moment. Nat Meg had 1.83, so probably not. So even with the win, it would, what, take Natalie and Megan, or take uh, Stefan Christen to 2.0 or something like that? Yeah, no, uh, Stefan Christen, if they win next week, will go to a, a straight two, which puts them at equal eighth overall, and Natalie and Megan are equal fifth overall. So the, yeah, really the very similar edit for both for both teams, really, for, for this season. Even right down to the hand injury. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to this URC Number podcast. You can join us next Wednesday and the Wednesday after for more Amazing Race Canada podcasts. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logs for Logan. Bye. Watch Eminem and Jillian win the finale next week. Honestly, in terms of who I want to win, Jillian and Emma are number one. Because I think it would be such a mess and the casual fans would go mental. Yep. Anyways, just chill till the next episode. See ya. Peace. Hashtag 250. Oh my god! You're going to the finale! (laughs) Oh my god. Thank god. 